0: I. V. M. Welcome to Paperback by The Open Library Project.
1: We have as our guest today Apoorva Damani, Group Director of Artha India Ventures. On this episode, we deep dive into Nawab's Nudes and Noodles by Ambi Parmeswaran.
0: In the second half, we also discuss 1984 by George Orwell, Emotional Intelligence, Authentic Leadership by HBR Press, The Speed of Time by Sharad Nalaware, and The 4-Hour Week by Tim Ferriss.
1: A conversation with the Aburva takes us through various topics, starting with a nostalgic view of the Indian advertising industry through the ages, moving on to music and eventually even the science of space and space travel. So let's listen in.
2: Let me start with a boring statistic. Advertising expenditure as a percentage of GDP is still hovering around 0.4 to 0.5% in India. Just imagine if ad spends move up to even 0.8%, what can we expect to see around us?
1: Thank you, Apoorva. That was a statistic from the book, Nawab's Nudes and Noodles by Ambi Parmeshwaran. Welcome to Paperback by The Open Library Project. I am your co-host, Satyajit. Otherwise known as Onion Night in most food circles. I'm hosting the podcast with my co-founder at the Open Library Project, Racheta Sharma.
0: Hi guys, my name is Racheta. I'm an ex-banker who gave up my banking profession to follow my passion and run libraries across the world. The Open Library Project is a non-fiction book library service offered to businesses on a subscription basis. We're trying to move away from the run-of-the-mill library concept and setting up rotational and locational curated libraries at co-working spaces, corporates and business incubators. The idea is to create value, build a knowledge community and encourage a growth mindset amongst our members.
1: Today we have on the show with us Apoorva Damani, from Artha India Ventures. She manages a family fund across 60 startups across the country and internationally. Hi, Apoorva.
2: Hi, hi Satyajit, hi, Rachita. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you for coming.
1: So let's get into it. Uh, The book we're discussing today is Nawab's Nudes and Noodles by Ambi Parmeshwaran. Tell us what you liked about this book or what drew you to this book?
2: So in case the readers don't have enough background about this book, It is a beautiful story of how India has grown over the past 50 years, as told through the eyes of Ambi Parmeswaran, who was actually the director of FCB Ulka, which is a large marketing agency in case you don't know, FCB Ulka still does the ads for the Mumbai Traffic Police and I think they do a fantastic job.
1: Oh, yeah. So. I think we've all seen the billboards at Babal right?
2: Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: They
2: and really they nice. do a fantastic job, yeah. you know. And this book encapsulates... 50 years of marketing in India and how it's evolved just reading the book took me down memory lane actually originally because this book talks about so many ads that you grew up with watching you know uh, Star Plus on a Sunday morning oh, yeah. uh, you know with Mahabharat and then you'd have the ad breaks so you, some of these ads are luckily still available on YouTube in very poor quality but they take you you know through this beautiful journey of how you grew up uh-huh. and uh some of the ads you know that i that i reminisce are for example there's this ad for dalda ghee and uh, this child is uh sitting on a railway platform oh, Ruta, yes. Ruta, oh, Baita oh, no. yeah <laughs> i love that ad it's so sweet because he's sitting on this railway platform and Ramu Kaka, Shamu Kaka, whoever yes. comes up to him and says, Kya hua beta? Ghar And he's like, Main ghar pe naraaz you know. And, and, and Ramu Kaka says, uh, lekin maa nahi tumare ghar pe And his eyes light up and you see him go jali
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's a great dad. It's a beautiful it ad. It really touches, you know, your heart. The child's innocence, it's really adorable. Yeah. And every
1: child at some point has decided to leave the house, I feel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so this is what
0: I like, that, you know, they uh, target the emotions between say a mother and a child like in the Wix ad or uh, where they've targeted the ethos of a newly married couple in the prestige ad like So it's, it's very nice how they use these emotions to you know bring out the essence of the ad So what do you think like which ad really you know relates to you in those terms? Well
2: in terms of advertisements I I don't know so much about relatability but I I'm, I'm I'm actually drawn to wit and humor. Right. Right. And uh, one of my favorite ads actually is uh, an ad by knockery.com where there's a boss sitting at the table and he's trying to make a reservation for a hotel. And, uh, the receptionist on the other line says, sir, I'm sorry, I can't understand your name. What's your name? And he's like, Hari Saru. <laughs> and, uh, it, it goes, so, so his, uh, obviously his, um, junior, says, H for Hitler, A for arrogant, R for rascal, (laughs) I for idiot. Idiot. (laughs) And then the other colleague goes, S for shameless. (laughs) And it was so funny. And I still find it really funny because that's something that Everybody will relate to. Everybody um, has had this one particular boss. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. this one Hari Sadhu in their life that they want to impale on a pitchfork.
1: If they're lucky, just one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think those are the kind of witty uh, advertisements that I really look forward to. So, yeah.
1: That was a fantastic one. Another one that I remember actually is... uh, Bharatoka Swagat Pan Okay. you know uh, so this ad is very funny. So when I started my uh, onion company EGK Foods, I uh, I sell crispy fried onions. So when we started without funds or anything, I used every opportunity to bootstrap. So someone had actually suggested to me, hey, you know you're doing all this stuff. you should just have sachets of fried onions which you pull out at weddings or wherever and just hand it to people <laughs> in reminiscence of the Panparagad, Parag ad which is this Baratio Ka Swagat Paan Parag oh, yeah, he takes, I, his yeah he takes it out from his pocket right? there's some 8 foot guy he removes it from his pocket and all. so that was one of my I, I got a recall to back to when I started EGK when I read about the Panparagad Parag ad campaign yeah. really something that's it stands the test of time, right?
2: Yeah, and think about all the ads that you've grown up seeing so you've seen the Complan girl and the Complan boy that's right right you've seen Maggie of course of course right Meri do minute wali Maggie Meri midnight Midnight wali wali Maggie yeah (laughs) Meri hostel wali Maggie Um, you've seen the little the little girl oh yeah, yeah she shot to fame because she was dancing under a waterfall waterfall. oh yeah yeah (laughs) You know, so to tie this back to GDP, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: what really uh, was interesting for me was seeing that, you know, there were companies back then, FMCG companies, which obviously dominated uh, your, your media eyeballs. Right. And and look at how that's evolved over time and now you're going to see a whole bunch of different companies that are going to come to tv uh, i hate the trivago ads yeah. <laughs> i think they no, but
1: they stand out right i mean
2: they stand out for their absolute you know like blahness.
0: <laughs> i think he has a very distinguished voice is like her. that's how i'll put it you know
1: i, I just think it's a uh, very uh, Planned out strategy to go with this person. Of In terms course. Of, Isn't he the
0: CEO of the company?
1: No, I, I don't know. Uh, I am okay, not. Sure. I guess I'm
0: not too sure. We'll check that out. <laughs> but if you
2: think about Trivago, right? You you think about how this ad does not inspire you to use Trivago. Yes, services, yeah. It just annoys you because it shows up at every single ad slot. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right? But, but you
0: also remember it. So I feel there must be something right about it that you know that everybody can relate to. I'm trivago sure everybody man. listening to yeah. us
2: right now is googling Trivago <laughs>
0: <laughs> figuring out their next hotel stay
2: but um, but that's what advertising does for you I, I really actually enjoyed uh, the Vodafone campaign recently because you know, they were showing how you can access Vodafone network, you know, sitting on an elephant in the middle of a jungle.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
2: I think and that was obviously before Geo happened.
1: Right, right, right.
2: But if, if you look at Vodafone's entire advertising campaign, before that, there was obviously the cutest pug possible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who would follow you wherever you go. And that then was, there was the entire Zuzu phase. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I think Vodafone's had a good series of campaigns. So the was... Yeah. That's true. The and Zuzu that- one came back, I think. Those return of the Zuzu campaign, I think. But they're so cute. Yeah, yeah. And
2: they're very
0: catchy. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and you know, they they go about in their helium-pitched voices yeah. <laughs> uh, doing the cutest or the stupidest things. Yeah. And they're a reflection of the kind of idiocy that you want to
1: do. On the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the phone, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so there
0: are also a lot of ads with relevant social messages like the Jagore ad, which was there by Tata Tea.
1: Even the and Milk ad, the uh, dude, 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 dude,
0: wonderful, wonderful dude, <laughs> right. sorry
1: guys, is by the Milk department, I think.
0: Yeah. In fact, a- uh, I'm not aware, but does uh, FCB Ulka also handle Amul? <laughs> Because they no. do a lot of I current topics. Amul
2: Amul um, does an uh, entire case study on, in fact, uh, I think it's Dakuna. Uh, Rahul Dakuna. Rahul Dakuna. Okay. Dr.
0: Kurian, I think it's called. No,
2: Ashok Kurian actually did uh, Pepsi. No, Thumbs Up, Taste the Thunder. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. And uh, so Rahul Dakuna, I think, is responsible for the Amul girl. And the Amul girl you'll notice is always very political Yeah, yeah. and she has a stance has and a it's stance. so cool because here you have this child who is also female which yeah. i think is pretty awesome Yeah. yeah. and um, she's taking digs at whatever's going on in the country yeah. and it's so fresh it's so you know as soon as you have uh, you know something's happened today there'll be an ad up tonight or the billboard yeah. will be up right it's fantastic and I think, you know, um, I, I I actually enjoy how um, on the top of the ad, right? They'll they'll have the current topic, and at the bottom they'll always tie it back to bread, yeah. butters, yeah. and 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 knives, yep. right? So um, that is actually uh, what a meme should aspire to
1: correct. i yeah, mean correct. i think
2: the amul ad is actually uh the perfect
0: example of what a meme should be yeah
1: yeah yeah that's it's a, beautiful
0: i just love their ads they also provoke a lot of thoughts like you want to introspect after you've seen the ad and you're like yeah it's all, it's
1: it's current right? and, it's current yeah. and on point yeah so i think that's yeah. one of the really major differences it's really quick right and I think just similar to uh, the book itself, Nawabs, Nudes and Noodles, if you go through a chronology of all the uh, Amul ads, you know, as they were printed, you'll get a great idea. Just like while reading this book, I feel this book is a zeitgeist of our times, the Indian times, through, seen through a marketing perspective. What Absolutely.
2: Think? I think it's it's a reflection also of um how society has changed has because evolved
1: over time. Yeah.
2: Definitely. Yeah, yeah, like the
0: Colgate ads, they went from coal is bad for you to coal infused toothpaste. So you change according to the market, right? I and think it,
2: you know what they're missing? They're missing a safe puri infused toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that would
0: be
2: awesome. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to brush their teeth with safe puri <laughs> Yeah, that that
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, it should have your flavor, like your favorite flavor I mean, to start with. <laughs> Cold <Nambak nikaal laughs> bhi nikaal liya
1: So, yeah, that's what I was. Uh, that's what I really got to me while reading uh, the book. It's like how society has changed so much, and I also feel marketing is a function of the times, right? You market to the masses as per their. Um,
0: it's market driven, basically.
1: Market driven. I yeah. think uh, the ad. What ads come out, the content of the ads is pretty much driven by the markets and not uh, the other way around. What do you think? Um, I actually think
2: it's a result of who is on the top uh, okay. billboard of nifty 50, okay. you know, and who has that kind of advertising spend. spend sure. So it, it, is, it is actually, you are right, it is a reflection of what the market demands because... The market does have a demand for Trivago. Um, Maybe that didn't exist 10 to 15 years ago. Right. right? But you do now want to look at uh, and compare prices. And you'll do all the chindi, you know, um, hacks possible to make sure that you've... um, figured out you know you saw Jet Iways website you make- saw my trip my trip even yeah, 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 100 rupees even 100 rupees
1: and it's become so much easier to save 100 rupees you know like uh, yeah. as we moved along these technologies have made so much accessible to us and now Trivago can do that for yeah, you yeah. for
2: hotels so now you'll go to Oyo Rooms website you'll go to the Taj website you'll go to like say Chancery or you know all these smaller budget hotels yeah. website yeah. now you have it all aggregated in one yeah. place And our parents didn't have that 10, 15 years ago. So it's amazing. It is a reflection of how the market
0: has changed. Right. So what do you think people can take away from this book? Like, why would you recommend someone to read Nawab's Nudes and Noodles? The first point is
2: definitely to acknowledge and to uh, celebrate what you grew up with. I was, you know, for the first half of the book I was just smiling to myself because I've grown up seeing these ads and it it takes you back to a beautiful time of your childhood right whose whose childhood isn't seen through rosy tinted glasses and um, I'd say do it for that and you know secondly if you're interested in understanding how um, FMCG companies operate and the kind of budgets that they're spending on ads or if you want to understand how consumerism has evolved in India Uh, India. Uh, this is a very good book to pick up because it shows you how consumerism has evolved but through the lens of marketing and media and advertising
0: it's also a very easy read like it you can just I think like, the nostalgia smooth, part through, uh, yeah. plays a huge uh,
1: yeah, yeah. part of it being an easy read because while I was reading it, I was just rem- remembering each campaign as we passed, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. I-, I watched a few also. Yeah, actually. we watched a few on <laughs> yeah.
1: YouTube while researching the book. So that really pulled back memories, I think, by reading it. So, great. That's about Nawab's Nudes and Noodles by Ambi Parmesh Paran. We'll be back after the short break.
0: Welcome back, guys. We still have with us Apoorva from Artha India Ventures. Uh, Apoorva, like we were discussing before the break, that uh, ad agencies use a lot of uh, emotions to, you know, drive their ads. So I wanted to actually get into another book that you wanted to talk about, which was Emotional Intelligence and Authentic Leadership by the HBR Press. So, very interestingly, emotional intelligence, for everybody who doesn't know, was uh, invented in 1990 by John Mayer and Peter Salloway. And they speak about how emotions and how our personal emotions can drive a lot of things at work and how you can regulate your emotions to get the benefit from your employees. So, uh, what about this book uh, really stood out for you? I think
2: it reinforced a couple of ideas um, that I had already planned um, with regards to building a team, making sure the team sticks together. Uh, So I have a background in corporate training as well. So I understand a little bit and I hope to understand over the years what it takes to keep a team together. Definitely, definitely take them out for Friday lunches. They love (laughs) that. Um, and it just, it's so funny how you just step out of the office and eat a meal together. And that opens up uh, a completely different conversation. Uh, and, and just, um, you know, this book specifically said, you should make it a point to learn more about your, your colleagues' life stories. So what do they want to do outside of work? So for example, um, I scuba dive
1: okay wow
2: and I play the keyboard oh, wow um, so i'm I'm going to actually give the grade five. You know, keyboard exam. exam. Yeah, yeah in that's Jan. Grade that's five. amazing. After wow. 10 years, after a 10-year break, you know. And, and we have somebody in our office who plays soccer. Um, at, and it's a it's small league at the Mumbai level. But, you know, they're really passionate about that. We have another person on the team who's passionate about sailing. So it's so interesting, you know, once you step out of the office and you start discussing your passions over food and i think it brings a different dynamic to the team when you say hey you know i i need to actually leave early because i need to make sure that i make it to my keyboard (laughs) tuitions because
1: i need to
0: give this exam in jam yeah yeah
1: Yeah. i think it
0: also sort of um, shows that you have an interest in your employee and they're not a machine to you you actually relate to them and their life so yeah i guess that's that's a nice thing. We should try it. Satya. Definitely, guys, go out
2: for lunch or beers on Fridays or Saturdays if you're like, working six days a week, like we do. Yeah, yes,
1: we do work six days a week.
2: Startups.
1: <laughs> Seven days actually. So, um, yeah. Speaking about emotional intelligence, I think uh, empathy plays a big part in uh, the whole in- emotional intelligence. Yeah. In the whole emotional intelligence piece. So I had an interesting thought actually about uh, empathy. I'd love to share that with you. So I was reading this book by Nicholas Nassim Taleb, Anti-Fragile. And he speaks about uh, scholastic resonance in terms... This is in in the context of music. So just stay with me here. It's a little... (laughs) So in the context of music, scholastic resonance is what you add random sounds into your music so that the music is heard better. Oh cool Okay so like if you want certain notes or if you want the harmonies to be heard better You add random everyday sounds like traffic or water or something like that And it makes you listen to the music better So I had a very interesting thought related to empathy with that So empathy is a very uh, fascinating thing for me Because I wasn't aware that something like empathy existed until maybe 10 years ago which is uh, I was already an adult by then, and I should have known. And it was it's never taught, right? Uh, it was never taught earlier in school. And so the thought I had was there's a German word called uh, Schadenfreude, which means uh, which means you feel good when someone else does badly, mm. right? So I was the- so sadistic, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's common across humans. It's uh, I feel that's that's a base emotion something that we can evolve out of so to get to empathy i think you need to break through your schadenfreude so that was a little thought that i had
2: it's really interesting that you talk about adding traffic noise and you know uh, background noises nasim
1: talib talks about it <laughs> <laughs> anti fragile.
2: no it's true so whenever um in in our office you look often hear me playing music it could be ranging from chickney Chamele to White Noise right <laughs> um, ranging to uh, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack on repeat because repeat. <laughs> on repeat on repeat. Oh my god, I can tell you exactly when they climb up Mount Doom. Oh, wow. I can tell you exactly <laughs> when they're <laughs> running through you know the the when when the three the trio Aragon, uh Gimli and um the elves. Legolas. I'm forgetting Legolas. Yeah. Um, they they run through the the you know the, the, the landscape to to catch Merry and Pippin. I mean that's what music does for me. Music. Uh, brings up an emotion or a very strong memory and uh I I do these things um you know of course to help myself focus and um but also whenever people you know come approach me uh I always talk to them over the music but I find that I'm you know a, a lot more focused when when there's music playing in the background
1: Okay wow that's that's a very interesting thought right there so It obviously
2: won't work in a co-working space. In a
1: co-working space.
0: (laughs) You can have your headphones on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay,
1: great. So, uh, we're going to move from this book. We're going to move to another book, which is The Speed of Time by Sharad Nalawade.
2: You know, this was really interesting because I I studied political science, economics, Spanish. You know, in school, I studied psychology and math. I've never... The last time I touched physics as a subject was in 10th grade to pass the goddamn (laughs) ICSC. I had an option to leave it in the 9th standards. I was like, yay! (laughs) Unfortunately, I had to stick it out till the 10th. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I never touched a science textbook ever again. Okay. And, you know, like 10, 15 years later, here you are picking up a book that explains quantum physics of all things in Uh, a language that is explicable to a five-year-old or in my case somebody who at least had some basic physics understanding and you're taught about how uh, Einstein's theories completely you know um Go against what Newtonian physics propagated. That's you know that in itself. I didn't even realize there was a debate right. going on. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. in physics, and, <laughs> and this is actually a huge debate apparently. And um, and then it goes on to quantum physics. It talks about how at the electron level you know if you if you charge an electron it's only going to jump from one orbit to another orbit um but remain there because there's there's a limit applied to the amount of um you know jumping it can do and and that goes back Planck's constant, and 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 there's all these things about quantum physics, you know. that You You
1: don't sorry, you don't sound like someone who gave up physics. (laughs) I I just wanted to point that out. I
0: think the book has been really successful in uh, uh, communicating what they want to.
2: (laughs) I well, thankfully, it explained it in a language that somebody understood. You know, um, and this is obviously meant for readers who just don't understand physics and 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 you're learning about how two electrons or twin electrons uh, i think they're called um that exist in different parts of the universe actually have a telepathic connection with each other and and you're wondering to yourself okay what implication does this have at the quantum level does that mean that telepathy actually exists because if there's an electron within my mind and if that's joined to an electron somewhere outside Um, is there some sort of telepathic
0: communication going on and that's probably the power of secret you know the book that they talk about that you keep thinking about it and the universe makes it happen for you maybe the electrons are like mingling (laughs) I don't know that's so romantic
2: (laughs) But it, you know what this allowed me to do was actually develop something even more incredible. Um, I've actually started reading a lot about space. Okay. And ever since I've read this book, I've delved into how the Big Bang started, where the universe is now, where we're going from now. And it's amazing how the Earth is... You know, the planet with the right temperature, the right gaseous mixture, the right amount of water, the right geology, the right chemical compositions, right. which makes us, you have to really take a step back and think about it. We're out there in this big universe and we're hanging, you know, in this big black fabric. Right. And where In this void. In this <laughs> void. <laughs> and we're one of the only planets, hopefully... Um, that supports life and everything on earth looks a certain way because the ecology framed the way organisms would evolve. Now, if you replicate conditions like this on another planet, the ecology uh, is going to completely change the way organisms evolve there. So maybe... Um, they may not grow as tall, or maybe they'll sure. grow taller, or maybe they'll grow with you know different chemical compositions within their bodies, and even their body structures could be completely different. Yeah. So
1: I mean, maybe we true. don't evolve. Maybe they don't evolve out of apes. Evolve out of lizards. You know.
2: Yeah. Reptilian theory.
1: That's. That would be theory, scary. Right? Yeah. yeah, it was scary to us, right? Because we. Yeah, we, but
2: can you imagine now? Now you have a cold-blooded,
1: exactly, animal
2: that's evolving and is going to, you know, replicate something similar to what we've created in, in the space of two thousand years. You know, they create that on another planet, but at the same time, what blows my mind is that planet is going to be working on a completely different time system yeah. to ours. ours. Yeah, right. sure. and the way you. Think about time there, the way you think about time here, and the speed at which things are happening are different
0: because, again, this goes back to quantum physics. So yeah. It blows my mind. Yeah. Can you suggest some more books in this genre to our to our um, listeners?
2: I can actually share um, the Medium blog that I've been I've been uh-huh. reading okay. uh, about space. Um, so I
0: actually took uh, I actually selected the space uh, travel and. What does it say? Space and something on medium. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you
2: know, that's where I'm learning about these things from. Because, again, it's explained in a language that I can actually understand.
1: Um, so, it's so interesting, right? Someone who had probably given up physics back in the day has re-found an interest in space physics. I, find, I personally find space very fascinating. And I've been trying to keep up, obviously, with what's happening all over the world. And I just... I feel these times are so exciting. It makes right? you
2: think about what Elon Musk is probably thinking. Yeah. You know, what, why is he looking at space? But if you think about... Now, if you go back and understand all these basic concepts, uh, you start thinking about what we can actually achieve. if Where yeah. the colonizer... Another, in interspace yeah. travel yeah. and what we can achieve yes
1: so another book we wanted to speak about is 1984 by george orwell i think most of us who've read the book uh, i read it at least 10 years back 15 years back i think uh, we'll all agree we are in orwellian times uh, what do you think apurva
2: i think you know and it is true if you look at your computer, you know, and, and this existed even back in the MS-DOS days, right? Like if you had a webcam, the, webpa- the webcam, sorry, you could look back at you. Yeah. Um, you know, your, your phone screens and your phone cameras can be tapped. Your TVs can be tapped. So much can be tapped. So yeah. Big Brother is a always going to watch you. <laughs> And there's so much now that we're putting out, we don't even realize the kind of content we're putting out because we have Facebook. And you use a Facebook login for every single app that you're going to use, whether it's, uh, you know, to log in to book tickets for, you know, a show or for traveling or, you know, you're looking at um, just logging into, uh, you know, TVF's app, for example. Anything you do, you now require a Facebook or a Gmail login. And that's leaving a huge footprint. People can trace you back and they can track exactly what you're doing. Just using that one login. And data now is so easy to leak and so easy to misuse. That's true. I
0: actually have a very different perspective on this. So I feel that you can probably use all these you know social media handles to your advantage because you know exactly what you want and you know you know that these mediums push all your information out there so you can sort of target exactly what you want them to push out to people so in a way I feel for businesses it works really well if you know exactly the content to push you can actually use this to your advantage and you know, so rather Tacheta,
1: than the other <clears throat> <Tacheta. laughs> our, I, I keep I telling my
0: phone, uh, fundraising, fundraising, <laughs> fund, like, so that they can keep sending me
1: stuff related. <laughs> so I definitely Just agree on. with you where uh, the businesses are benefiting from all the data. But we as uh, individuals, the cost of using all this technology is the data, is the access to our all, all our movements is what we are paying with a Facebook login or a Gmail login, right?
2: You know how the US elections were influenced? So, um, Philadelphia, which is a predom- you know, has, has a high concentration of African Americans, yeah. um, did not have a huge turnout of African Americans because uh, they were targeted with ads on Facebook to actually not turn vote. out. There was a disincentive, right, to, 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 to turn out and vote. Mm-hmm. So imagine if 100,000 African-Americans from Philadelphia, which is a sing- swing state,
0: mm-hmm. had
2: voted, or or Pennsylvania, actually, uh, Philadelphia is the city. Um, so if 100,000 people from Pennsylvania had, had voted, um, Hillary had anyway won the popular vote. The popular vote. She yeah. would have won but the she could have won, college, yeah, she, college also. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of... Yeah, you know,
1: targeted advertising. So this comes back to what we were talking about uh, in the first book, right? If you do really targeted advertising, which is possible now, because we are able to analyze data at such a large scale, a company like Facebook, or a company like Google, can, I think, I think it can predict before you can predict what you want. Because you know you're
2: you're actually right, and I'll tell you why. Um, and this is not me saying this. This is a, a TEDx speaker saying that Facebook, based on your usage patterns and the way you're interacting with certain you know items on Facebook, can predict whether you are developing schizophrenia or some sort of social disorder, and then they can target you that way. They can predict whether you're going to have a tendency to gamble, and then. Push you into gambling through soft, uh, subliminal. subliminal
1: messaging. Exactly. Which is me- which? So, if people don't know, uh, subliminal messaging is subliminal advertising. Is the advertising that's done to you, which your eyes can't detect? It's so fast that. Uh, your eyes can't, uh, you don't recognize you're being advertised to, but your brain processes it because your brain processes much faster than the eyes, something like that. I think. So
2: subconsciously, yeah. your brain is shifting and people are sh- are pushing you into a certain type of behavior just yeah. based on the yeah. kind of advertising that they're doing.
1: This is there yeah. in, uh, just a quick common example, is there in Fight Club, where uh, he's cutting up the scenes from the reel and inserting images into the uh, movie screen so it's it's a part of the movie yeah. Yeah, yeah
2: and and to come back to 1984 itself you know there's a very poignant scene Uh, In the book, where Winston, uh, after, you know, uh, almost a year or more of of torture, is stripped down to a skeleton, his skin has turned grey, his teeth have fallen, his hair has come out, he's down to literally his bare bones, and O'Brien takes him to a mirror. Strips him of his clothes and he looks at himself in the mirror and he looks at what he was and what he's become. And that scene has remained seared in my memory because it shows, you know, uh,
0: what a state is capable of doing to you. Uh, thanks, Apurva. That's great insight. Uh, before we wind up, I'd like to ask you one last question. Is what got you into reading? So this is a habit that people inculcate over time. What was it for you that, you know, got you, piqued your interest into reading?
2: I was that nerdy little kid. Oh, that I love those. <laughs> read the Lord of the Rings cover oh, to cover, 1008 pages of eight size font in the sixth grade I would have finished it in three days but my mother locked up my books so it took me a month to finish it and I still (laughs) regret that Um, but I was the type of child who would um, you know I would be reading a book the doorbell would ring I'd go open the door with the book in my hand I wouldn't even see who was at the door, and I'd yell back to my mom, saying, "Mummy, aake dekho, koi And I'd go back to you know my little corner under the table or under the bunk bed, and just curl up and read. And that's why I had minus four and a half uh, eye power in both my <laughs> eyes because I just you
0: know kept reading and I had these thick classes as a child. Okay. Do you reread these books often? The ones that you know you that really impacted you. The one I've reread at least two or three
2: times now is actually um, as as cheesy as this sounds. It's Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and oh, Influence crazy. People. Yeah, that's because a I find that it's not just it's not just applicable for work. It's p- applicable. At home, uh, when you travel, you know, whatever you do. So right now, the one tip that I've picked up from the book that I'm working on for this entire month is make it a point to remember people's names. Because no matter what language you speak someone's name in, it's the sound that is the sweetest to their ears.
0: Okay. There's a really nice tip I can give you because I uh, suffered from the same problem. So... They say that, you know, whenever somebody introduces themselves to you, you should repeat their name because that's how your brain sort of registers it. So you may think that you will not remember the name later, but if you've repeated it, like, thanks, Apoorva, (laughs) then you probably remember the person later.
2: Thank you. I will keep that in mind.
1: So, Apoorva, we'd love to end with a quote uh, from any of your favorite authors.
2: Sure. So... I recently finished reading Fahrenheit 451. Okay. And um, I'm paraphrasing uh, a little bit of what Ray Bradbury said. But the quote goes, There was a damn silly bird called a phoenix. Every time he burnt himself up, he sprang out of the ashes. He got himself born all over again. And it looks like we're doing the same thing over and over. But we've got one damn thing the phoenix never had. We know the damn silly thing we just did. Beautiful.
1: Thank you, Apurva, for being with us today and sharing your insights on these books. We look forward to having you on our show again. A big thank you to all our listeners. You can follow the Open Library Project on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook for latest updates on our events and stay tuned for the paperback podcast on IndusVox Media. You can follow IVM Podcast on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at IVM Podcasts. Thank you. Happy reading. Thank you, Apurva.